Blog Talk Radio. Tuning in to Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard and your story is told on Marty Oakley's TS Radio Network and Stephen Burke's 89.9 KLRB FM Lighthouse Christian Radio. If you're in Oklahoma and in the surrounding area, it is February 6, 2022, and uh, this show has been brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the annual Whistleblower Summit and Journeys to Justice, a nonprofit. I'm Tanya Hathaway, and I am your host, and as always, or as usual, unless I totally just gloss right over it, forget about it, which is a horrible, horrible thing to admit as a daughter, I want to say hello to my mother out there in uh, in New Hampshire, and um, thanks for being so supportive of uh, what we cover, Mom, and love you, and looking forward to seeing you soon. Okay, so we have covered public corruption on this show for years now, and not on, and not that long ago, we spent a couple of years where we were covering wrongfully, and I'm not saying we won't again, but you know how there are just blocks of time when we go from certain types of cases to other types of cases. Well, um, we spent a couple of years covering wrongfully incarcerated, incarcerated, forgive me, wrongfully sentenced and innocent death row victims, um, pretty pretty prime uh, subjects. And um, as I've said before, and I'll say it again, because this is about public corruption, and I'll continue to say it, I am a believer in law and order, and I support our blue, I support our servicemen and women, and I, 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 I respect our public servants, and, and we should, but that respect, and appreciation is waived. It's waived when they are public puppets. It's it's waived for any public servant, any 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 man or woman in blue, any service man or woman that corrupts the system, and it happens far too often, as we have learned over time. Public servants or those appointed or hired to serve in this case regarding Morgan Patton and her parents that will not stop until justice is served, served, has been silent when it comes to key matters in this case. And we'll discuss more of that tonight. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in again tonight uh, to hear about this case. If you have, if you weren't here last week, be sure to go back to the promo. And there's an hour of part one of this series. There's a link there to last week, um, but uh, quick, I will give you a quick synopsis, and then we're going to try to pick up where we left off before with Stephen and Renee, because last Sunday we introduced you to a case regarding the horrid death of a lovely 24-year-old young lady who had just become engaged to the love of her life, to Phil Brandon, who was studying to be a Marine. She went to see Phil when... Uh, so when he was to be on furlough, he was going to be on furlough the next day. Um, and this was in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, Jacksonville, North Carolina. And with hours, within hours of their soon-to-be reunion, she was killed in a car accident. With two, with two Marines that we believe kidnapped her, possibly drugged her. And one theory is that she grabbed the steering wheel from the back seat of the pickup truck and that she was forced into and tried to fend for her life, causing the truck to go uh, off the road while the truck was going in excess of 90 miles an hour. It rolled and it crashed into a tree. Morgan was projected over 100 feet going out the passenger side window. 
leaving Morgan dead on arrival. And the two suspects injured, but alive. Morgan had gotten a hotel in Jacksonville, North Carolina, and went to dinner at an Applebee's that was in the same parking lot as the hotel and only yards away. Morgan was seen in a video walking to the Applebee's, sure to be walking in a well-lit area as opposed to taking a shortcut with less lighting to the restaurant. Morgan was very cautious, and the only thing on her mind, and according to witnesses at Applebee's, the bartenders, people that heard her talking, she was in town to see her fiance and just how excited she was to do that. Again, you know, the link to that show, the, uh, last week's show is inside the promo if you didn't have a chance to listen. Tonight, Steve and Renee, parents of, of Morgan Patton, join us again to go deeper to the case and just why we need your listening. Appreciate your Good energy. We're looking for some help. Thank you again for joining us. Renee, thank you again for joining us, Steve. I know it's not easy to relive, but we know that you're here for a reason, not just to tell your story, but to achieve justice for Morgan, and you won't stop speaking and investigating, advocating for her or others until that justice is served. Good evening to you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for having us back. And uh, thank you for the introduction. Okay. Well, how did I do? Um, I, you, you did very well. That's, um, that's the story. Um, it, if, I, if I heard you correctly, I, there is one correction that I would make. She, Morgan was, she was um, ejected from the vehicle, but not any distance. Um, the, when the vehicle... When, when, the, when everything settled, she was actually partially under the vehicle. She wasn't uh, tossed any great distance from the vehicle. Oh, goodness. I thought I read a report that said that, so forgive me for that. All right. No, it's, all right. It's, there's a, a lot of details here, and, uh, and you seem to have a very good grasp of the details. I just wanted to make that one, one correction for the listeners. Yeah, I want to be in, interrupted and corrected any time that I'm on the wrong track or if I've said something that isn't accurate, for sure. Um, so you've hired experts, a multitude of experts. This this all happened November 8, 2019. So it's been over two years now, and you've hired a number of different experts to work on behalf of uh, of. Morgan and and this case and and to to get to the bottom of it and we do understand that's what you know the police are for that's what the investigators are for you know the the, the public servants those that are either appointed or hired or um, voted in uh, we understand that but you had to go to the get to the point now where you've been hiring people to try to help you get to the bottom of it. When did you discover that you would need to hire um, private help? Uh, we actually very early on, um, we hired a, an attorney, a criminal defense attorney in North Carolina uh, that was recommended by a, an attorney who was also a, a very close family friend. Actually, she was mentoring Morgan uh, preparing her for law school, um, but she suggested that we hire a an attorney in North Carolina just to to advocate for us and for Morgan in the district attorney's office down there. Just because we're 900 miles away, um, yeah. we needed somebody somebody nearby that could could you know be our voice when when we obviously could not be there. Right. And then right. it, it progressed from that point. I guess it was mid-summer of 2020 when we were dissatisfied with the course of the criminal investigation in North Carolina. We, we hired a private investigator also from the area to do some some legwork for us, uh, look at some things that we felt were were important or could be important. 
and right. eventually uh, he, he did a fair amount of work on our behalf, did some, some interviews and uh, you know, looked into some of the things where we had questions. And then we had a, we, we actually started having people come to us that were learning of this story. And that was uh, incredible, just remarkable. I, I, I don't know how I could explain the feeling that when these incredible, incredibly talented people uh, started seeking us out and asking how they could help, we were just overwhelmed. But uh, we we didn't say no. Um, right. We took we took their offers, and even if there wasn't a task necessary at that moment. We still speak with all of them regularly, and it's, it's been, without them, I'm not sure where we would be. Now, are these some professionals and experts that are actually in the area and uh, in North Carolina where this took place? Is it possible that they are aware of some of the shortcomings that might happen when it comes to these kinds of investigations, or did they just reach out because they knew that you were you know, across the country and could lend whatever support they could from what, you know, what, what is your take on that? You, you know, what might have led them to reach out other than their obvious grief and empathy and, and because they can help, want to help. I believe that all, all of these um, professionals have, this isn't their first time. It's, they're, they're just, outstanding, remarkable people that have done this in the past when they see injustice, they want to help and they can help and they do. Not just for us, they've okay. done it for others before. And Okay, so they could see, they could they could smell a rat, in other words. Yes. That's yes. what led them to reaching out to you. Okay. And they and they all okay. they have a a network of uh, colleagues that they can reach out to and have reached out to to work on our behalf as well. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful it, thing. So it is. It's it's a small. It's actually like a very close knit group of of people that you know. It's a small world, but it's a big world, you know. And it's a close knit group of people that get involved and these injustices and get and 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 get known to each other throughout this community and throughout the states it's an, it's amazing how many you know common acquaintances and, and whatnot you know it, it's just like if they tell two friends and they tell two friends and you know they um you know seeking justice is never easy and you know it's like would you ever have imagined that such a tragedy could have happened first of all, you know, but then the fact you have not had the right things happen with this investigation as of yet or in the area that's going to, you know, provide justice for Morgan as much as that can be. Um, you know, could you ever have imagined it to be such a maze and so many roadblocks? Can you ever imagine that? Because, you know, it you just don't expect it's like when you go into a court of law, you don't expect bad things to happen. And it doesn't always, but when it does, and when people don't do the right thing, it's just unbelievable, isn't it? It, it is. It's, I just, Renee and I, we just don't understand how the people that we're counting on to get justice for Morgan in North Carolina, how they can go home to their families and be comfortable in their skin, knowing that they've just left this left Morgan hung out to dry. It's I don't understand it. Yeah, it's too easy for them. It's too easy. And I'll tell you, you know, what I've learned over the years that I've been, you know, advocating and whatnot is that there's just, if, if, you, if you're one of those that are caught in the trap, 
you know, it's like the ones that are doing this to you, you know, doing this to Morgan, doing it, it's like it's it's a pattern. It's just a, a, a pattern because there's a purpose for it. And it's a very selfish purpose. And it's a criminal purpose. You know, they're, they're, some things seem to be that they're trying to cover up. And in this case, it seems to be the reputation of the Marines. How do you feel that's, about that? Well, that's the – I, how do I feel about it? I'm, it, it makes I mean, me am sick. I wrong? It makes me sick to my stomach as a Marine that right. they're protected this way. I, I served in that city in Jacksonville. I was at Camp Lejeune 31 years ago. And I have to tell you that Renee suggested very early on in this investigation, she felt that they were the Onslow County officials were covering up for the Marine Corps. And I, I could not buy into that theory. I, I just, I couldn't believe it. You weren't ready yet. Yeah. I, I certainly wasn't. And it, it was actually fairly recent that I came home one day and I told Renee, I said, I, as much as I hate to admit this, I think you were absolutely right from the beginning. And it, it hurt to admit that. And it hurts now to say that it's, it makes me sick to my stomach. Well, we know that that's not what the Marines and, and you are all about, but it is in this case. It is in other cases where it is, you know. But we know that that's not what you represent and the other good men and women that have served and served, you know, and are, you know, joined the Marines public service. Um, but, yeah. And sometimes you can fall into this category where it's like you try to tell your story and the eyes start rolling. And I don't think that you're going to experience this. You know, people, I, I think, will believe you. But in other cases, like wrongful convictions and whatnot, um, where the eyes are rolling and, oh, there's got to be another side to the story. Well, you know what? There's really not two sides to the story. There's one. There's one. And it's one side, and that is the truth. And let the truth come out and let the truth prevail. And um, and, and this isn't a category where there's two sides to the story. This has got to stop. The suppression of the evidence has got to stop. And so... Knowing that this is something that you'll never really get over, can you just let our listeners know what is it that you're looking to have happen? We are we, we are seeking exactly what you just described, the story. We want to know that, and that is the truth. We want to know what happened to Morgan that led up to her death. We're never going to get Morgan back. People have suggested that in, down there in Onslow County, they're basically asking us, what is the point? The point is, we need to know. I, I have a hard time getting to sleep at night wondering what Morgan's last, the last hour of her life was like. As her provider and protector, that did not, that's, that's a duty I've always taken very seriously and one that did not end on November 8, 2019 on White Oak River Road. Mm -hmm. I can't save her. Mm -hmm. I can, we can save her legacy, though. Right. And we can ensure that the two men responsible that night are put away for as long as the justice system will allow in this case. I agree. I agree. So what charges, and now we're starting to pick up where we left off, what charges have been filed and what is the status of the case now or the trial, you know, sentencing? Um, we've got two, the two Marines, their names are Hunter O'Neill Wells 
and Charles Cornwall, Hunter O'Neill Wells was the driver of the vehicle. Charles Cornwall is believed to have been in the back seat containing Morgan. So what is it that, um, what so far listeners know what has gone, what charges have been filed, and and where the trial stands? Sure. So the following day after the crash, Hunter Wells was arrested for and later uh, indicted on the charges of felony death by motor vehicle for uh, the, the crash itself, for um, felony death because he was was uh, over the legal limit as far as his blood alcohol level. Um, he was also charged, they, they also indicted him for, for um, involuntary manslaughter because uh, they're not certain that a jury will convict Hunter Wells on the felony death by motor vehicle charge because his actual uh, blood alcohol level was not above the legal limit when they took blood, which it was actually two hours, 50 minutes after the crash when they when they did a took a blood sample. By that point, he was he was a yeah, he was a 0.58 two hours and 50 minutes later. Their intention, the legal limit in North Carolina, as in most states now, is 0. 0.08. Um, he was a, um, yeah, 0. 0.08, and he was a 0. 0.058. Okay. So they, okay. they also on on uh, the involuntary manslaughter charge, so that the jury will have that as an option. He was also indicted for. Uh, driving under the influence, uh, felony serious injury by a motor vehicle, and a laundry list of moving violations, unregistered vehicle, uh, speeding, reckless operation, and the list goes on. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Charles Cornwall, uh, if, if you can believe this, has... He has, he has yet to be questioned as a suspect. To even be questioned. He has not been questioned by law enforcement as a as a suspect to any crime. Yes, <laughs> absorb that. That's that's hard to absorb. That, uh, absolutely, because okay. But he was questioned as a witness? He was interviewed by the assistant district attorney, yes, okay. as a witness. Okay. And as a witness, not a suspect. Okay. Correct. Okay. And that and which which goes in line with the fact that they have not investigated, as far as I'm aware, forgive me, um, investigated for a kidnapping charge. If not. Because this boils down to the fact that she never would have been in that vehicle with those guys who are were police officers in, in the Marine Corps, right? Um, right. Police officers. Right. We were we we were told early on by District Attorney Ernie Lee that kidnapping is extremely hard to prove. Which our response was the plausibility of kidnapping is extremely hard to forget. But do the work. Mm-hmm. That's all we're asking. Mm-hmm. And that has not been done. Right. So they haven't taken any steps in that direction at all. The sheriff's department. The sheriff's department has not been to Applebee's to speak to the staff. 
The sheriff's department has not been to the hotel that Morgan checked into. As far as I know, they've not, the sheriff's department has not been to the scene of the crash. The sheriff's department never saw the vehicle because North Carolina Highway Patrol allowed it to be sold to a salvage yard within 30 days of the crash before it was even handed off as a criminal investigation. A huge problem. So there goes, there goes the, you know, looking at the vehicle. What about pictures of the vehicle? They were, I, that's one of the things from the investigative report that Renee and I have chosen to not view. Um, okay. Our friend, the attorney here who has helped us immensely, the one I mentioned earlier was mentoring Morgan. She has kind of been our buffer. She looked at the photos and suggested that we not look at them. We're going to have to see them them at some point. But she suggested that we not see them. But we've we've been told that there were 12 to 15 photos of the entire scene, including the, the vehicle. That's not very many. No, I and that didn't jump out to me until I, you know, became my my own armchair investigator and started realizing that that in fatal crashes there's there's typically two to three hundred photos, mm-hmm. and in, in this case there are twelve to fifteen. Okay. Well, that's going to be very hard uh, for you one day when you guys choose to look at those photos, but you would think that somehow that those photos could help lend a hand in the reconstruction of the the crash, you know, and uh, I mean, we know that either way she's she's gone, but there's got to be, but there's reasons why the truck suddenly turned left. There's reasons why, you know, and and, and some of you would think, gosh darn it, that there you could see, you know, to to let that go and be impounded, you know, you just don't know what could have been in the back seat, you know, any kind of forensic evidence back there, you know, to show signs of a struggle, you know, to right. prove that she was not there voluntarily. And as we had stated last week, the, the the scene of the crash itself was cleaned up so quickly by the a crew from the towing company with rakes and shovels. They literally shoveled the debris into the bed of the truck oh, wow. rather than you know, pick through it looking for – There was we, we learned later on that there was a – a phone, Charles Cornwall's phone was never recovered. It was lost somewhere at the scene, but it, with the rest of the debris, it was just it was shoveled into the bed of the truck and hauled away, and then, as I said, disposed of before it was handed over to the sheriff's department as a criminal investigation. All of that was gone. Now, have you had the opportunity to find out, you know, um, was it a burner phone or a regular phone, you know, and and if it was a regular phone, you would still think that that, they would be able to get information from the phone company. Well, they could if they inquired. Uh, Yeah. So so there are two, two phones at play here. There were two phones recovered at the crash scene. One of them was Morgan's, and... The, and that was a an iPhone, and there was another right. iPhone was recovered uh, that belonged to Hunter Wells. Now mm-hmm. Hunter Wells' phone was is password protected, and he refused to give it to, up. Uh, give up the passcode to unlock the phone. The Jacksonville Police Department has tried with their technology to unlock that phone unsuccessfully. The um, I don't know early, why they need his permission. They can subpoena it. 
Uh, Apple will not give up that information. Uh-huh. That was there was actually a Supreme Court ruling yep. a few years back that that uh, precludes Apple from having to share that information. That is crazy. I tell you, yeah. I've got my first iPhone ever, and uh, and I I regret it, and I and. Uh, when I get another one, I'm never going back to Apple again, and that's another reason right there. They're a bunch of snoops. They want to have all your information, but they won't give up any. Right. right. Now, Charles Cornwall, apparently he had a a flip phone, a very simple device, but as a, mm-hmm. that was never recovered. You're right. Um, his phone records, his call log and, and things of that nature, could be obtained with a warrant from his service provider, but mm-hmm. uh, that has not been done. As, as Hunter Wells could as well. They could they could subpoena yeah. that information from his service provider. But as, I'm very interested in in seeing what is on Hunter Wells' phone. But as I said, it's they've not been able to unlock it. The FBI office in Charlotte, North Carolina, offered to take that phone to see if they could get into it. Well, they told us that if Onslow County Sheriff's Department asks them to do so, they will try to unlock that phone. We relayed that. That's all that they need to do is ask them to do so. They just need to ask. And we relayed that information to the initial detective who was assigned the case. And his response was, well, Jacksonville Police Department has the technology to do that. But they've not been able to do it. I, I don't yeah, believe Jacksonville some... Police Department has the same technology that the FBI does. I, I just, uh, yeah, thanks. I <laughs> exactly. And I know it's a big city, but, no, the FBI would have more power, but... Um, Unfortunately, it's that power that sometimes has gotten them um, carried away with power and and they're too busy doing other things than the right things. Um, That's that's amazing. Yes. Absolutely amazing. I, I hate to say it, I'm not surprised, but it's amazing because it, 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 you never stop being in shock over how much, you know, just one or two simple little acts or lack of acts can can affect the outcome and justice. Yes. Morgan. And it, it started very, it started immediately there. It started on White Oak River Road at the scene of the crash. You know, the, the gun that was recovered wasn't kept as evidence. It was It was tossed in the truck, taken away. You've got to be kidding me. I wish I was. So that I didn't know. Okay. So, in other words, okay. All right. It was described. Can't it, tell was, it was described to us as um, being a broken firearm that was found. That actually wasn't the. It, well, it was the case. It was it wasn't functional when it was picked up by the responding officer. Um, he said it was part of a gun. Well, the would you think Gordon would have known that whether it was functional or not for crying out loud? Right. the The operator of one of the tow trucks that hauled it away found the other piece of it. So <laughs> that tells you how well the the officers looked at the scene. It was, it was there. Just trying it, to clean up the mess. That's it. Just, just clean it up. Yes. In fact, the uh, the sergeant from the highway patrol at daylight the next morning drove back to the scene and called the towing company. He said, "You missed some stuff. Get back out here and finish cleaning it up." <laughs> wow. Never want- second thought to section it off. Anything like that? Oh, no. No, not at all. 
Okay, so let's talk about the expert reports that you shared with me, two of them anyways, and one is from James Lilly, who's a successful published author and a retired crime detective from Maryland, and another who is Sarah Stein, PhD, who reviewed a good number of documents that you provided, and both seem to share very similar you know, concerns and draw certain not conclusive conclusions, but but to us, you know, they seem so conclusively that more needed to be done than was, and that you know everything leads to why it would be done as opposed to why it wouldn't be done. And by that I mean reopen this investigation, and you know, and to, to be able to prove that she was kidnapped and forced. To, to 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 go to go with them. Um, so hopefully we're going to have uh, them both on on the show. I've yet to reach out to Sarah, but I did reach out to um, but I did reach out to James. So I'll be talking with him tomorrow, and hopefully um, he will be joining us and Sarah as well on a show up. Uh, you know, upcoming. But let's talk about these, you know, a couple of the theories based on all the evidence and, you know, uh, what the witnesses have said and whatnot. Let's talk about, for instance, uh, James Lilly points out two different things that he feels could have happened. Yes. Two two uh, likely scenarios. Either one of them, he believes there's, there is strong evidence that one or the other is likely to have happened. And both of them essentially involve, you, you know, taking her under false pretenses, one, or, or, or forcing her. Correct. So, okay, so go ahead if you want to share. Okay, so uh, the the two theories that that James Lilly believes are likely to have happened. Uh, the 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 most obvious one, I think, is that Morgan was physically uh, taken as she left the restroom of Applebee's. Uh, she was taken out the back door, uh, physically put into the back seat of Hunter Wells' truck, and driven out to White Oak River Road. The, the second theory that he believes is likely to have happened is the two men befriended Morgan inside Applebee's and suggested to her they could get her onto Camp Lejeune, given that they were military police officers with their badges, they could take Morgan as a guest onto base, and she could see him that night rather than wait until the next morning. Mm -hmm. Uh, But once they had her in the truck, they obviously went in the 15 miles in the opposite direction away from Camp Lejeune. Now, granted, Morgan had just gotten into town. She and the route that she took from the Albert... Ellis Airport in Jacksonville to her hotel. She would not have even gone by the gate at Camp Lejeune, so she she wouldn't have known immediately that they were going in the wrong direction. Right. However, I I have a problem with that theory. Uh, Morgan would not have jeopardized getting Phil in trouble by getting onto base early. She would not have done that. Also, having been there myself, having gone through the same school that Phil was in, I can tell you that their visitors are not allowed there. Two Marine Corps police officers would know that. Right, right. But they were hoping that she wouldn't know it. Yes. If that was the case. Right. Right. So if that is... And granted, they, they went the wrong direction, so they, they weren't going to bring her to Camp Lejeune. But um, I, I say that because Charles Cornwall actually brought, that, brought up the same thing 
in an interview with our private investigator. And the term he used when he was asked why Morgan was in the truck, he said, well, I'd like to think I'm a nice guy, and maybe we, oh, maybe we were trying to bring her on base to see her fiancé early. Just those words, I'd like to think. Yes. I'd like to think I'm a nice guy. Words have meaning. Oh, boy. Do they ever. Do they uh, ever. In, and I do that. Go ahead. In both scenarios that James Lilly discusses in his document, they both end the same. He does not believe that they intended for Morgan to live through the night. Right. Either scenario. I believe he's... 100% correct. I believe he is, too. And, and Dr. Sarah Stein agrees wholeheartedly, and she did not compare notes with James Lilly. These two worked independently of each independently. other. Independently. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and that's what is so credible in, the, in, in these findings, is that they did work independently of each other. And they and they come up with essentially the same the same findings. Now, let's talk about DNA yes. under Morgan's fingernails. I mean, has that been compared to? So the 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 DNA, it's a. Excuse me, it's a mixed sample that was taken from, that was found under the fingernails of Morgan's right hand, um, under the fingernail clippings. And mm -hmm. the North Carolina State Crime Lab, uh, it, the way it was interpreted to us through the district attorney's office is there was not enough DNA to separate the sample. But in reading the report, from the lab, it said that further testing is possible if desired. I'm paraphrasing. But the district yeah. attorney's office didn't say, oh, go ahead and, and see what else you can do until very recently at our request. Um, we, were, we were actually treated, to put it bluntly, we were, the assistant district attorney spoke to us as if we were complete idiots when we questioned the DNA testing, um, she, she reached over and she picked up a pen that belonged to the district attorney and said, the problem with DNA is now I have his DNA on me because I just touched his pen. And our response was, it's not under your fingernails, though. That's, mm -hmm. That happens in a defensive act. That's how that ends up under your fingernails. Right. And we wow. also we also had done some research and learned about probabilistic genotyping and and how even the most the tiniest mixed sample of DNA it's po it's possible to separate and identify using this technology that's now decades old it's not new and it's mm -hmm. not uh, you mm -hmm. know it's, it's it's honest science that produces exact results now, if you wanted to get your hand on that DNA and have that tested independently, would they let you? They would, yes. Would they? Okay. So all of the samples, her tissue samples, the DNA samples, everything is our property at this point. Okay. They are still in custody of it, but it's, it's, we're told that it is our property. Okay. And okay. that's Go ahead. what we will do if we cannot get the the uh, State Bureau of Investigations to take this over. We will have yep. to continue to do it ourselves. We've spent a fortune yep. where we are now, but we'll have, as, as you said so eloquently, we're not going to stop. No, I know you're not. I know, I know you're not. And it, this is really the job of the state. Well, isn't that what we were all taught, that this is what they do? Yeah. 
they make what's wrong right and hope to God that there isn't too much damage left behind. Well, there's a whole lot of damage here. That's for sure. So there's, so there's no, okay. So the DNA has not been further tested, even though it was said that the DNA could be further tested. Um, so the district attorney's office seems to have an answer for just about everything. Um, but yet, everything leads to the fact that your beautiful daughter had no intentions whatsoever to go anywhere with these young Marines. Um, now, the drinking the Cornwall, there was a contradiction in, in, in a report. Now, I think I messaged you about this earlier, about whether he was drinking or not. Um, let me see. So I believe you're referring to the line of duty slash misconduct report. Okay, and that's, yes, yes, exactly. All right. So he, so, okay, that, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the the fake IDs and um, because the fact that they did find a fake ID that was in the truck, right? I, well, I'm going to correct you politely. Please, please. uh, Correct me. I want to get this right. It's 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 not a fake ID at all. It was right, a valid right. a valid military ID that had been stolen from a civilian Marine Corps mechanic. I'm I, I'm not saying that Charles Cornwall right. or Hunter Wells stole it, but it had been reported stolen a year prior to the crash. And then it wound up in their truck and in uh, in Wells' was, truck. Yes, and it was it was in Charles Cornwall's pocket or his wallet, along with his okay. his own military identification. But he was a he was underage. He was twenty years old, and okay. the alcohol that had been purchased by Wells and Cornwall at Applebee's that night was all purchased by Cornwall, utilizing that stolen ID. Okay which is actually a Class G felony in North Carolina. However, we were told by the district attorney it happens all the time, so we're not going to bother him for that. Yeah. Kind of like <laughs> surgery, you know? You, you know wh- why even have surgery if you're not going to actually in, indict and, uh, you know, why, why even bother? I see I see perjury left and right, you know, and in court, and and yet yes. the, 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 that's direct contempt, the direct contempt, and it, it's let go constantly, especially if it's a especially if it's a corrupt lawyer. Then I can't help but think it's a corrupt judge. I'm sorry, it's just you know once again they're not all bad, but. The truth is that this stuff is out there, and and it, it's not a matter of not wasting your time. It's a matter of the backpacks, the good old boys, the golf, the golfing together, the drinking together, the turning you know, the eyes the other way, you know, and protecting each other's best interests and not giving a damn who's hurt by it. Right. Well, the the document um, that you referenced just a few minutes ago, the the line of duty investigation into Charles Cornwall's activities the night of the crash. Charles Cornwall perjured himself blatantly in that document, and I'm being completely sarcastic when I say that they basically gave him a medal for being so brave and honest and ushered him out of the Marine Corps. And ushered him out of the Marine Corps. And now he's looking into becoming a state trooper, right? A, he's, yeah, he's looking to become uh, a member of the... the uh, Sheriff's Department in Montana, where he resides, and may have done so at this point. 
and may have done so. And and Charles Stanwall, was it him or was it Wells that was believed to have suffered a traumatic brain injury? It was Charles Cornwall, right? Charles Cornwall, yes. There's, uh, that's an interesting story itself. As we were yeah. told that initially that was the reason that he could not be interviewed is because he had suffered a traumatic brain injury. Now, this was, I have to be specific about this, because our first meeting with the district attorney and with the Onslow County Sheriff's Department was on December 18 of 2019, six days after it had been opened as a criminal investigation. Okay. And that's when we were told that Charles Cornwall could not be interviewed because he was still at Vidant Medical Center. We were told that he was still in a coma and he had suffered a traumatic brain injury, so likely he, at that point, they, they had realized that he would survive, but they said we, we was might. Was it a medically induced coma, Steve? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Oh, well, it was, but come to find out, we found out quite some time later, he was already home at that point. He wasn't at the hospital at all. They were lying to you. They were either lying or they didn't know what they were talking about because he had been home for days. And there was no, technically, I guess it could be, it's on the scale of a traumatic brain injury, but his medical reports actually say that he suffered a concussion. It wasn't an open head wound. It wasn't even a listed, it wasn't actually even listed in his the medical report that the Marine Corps released him with. So there's nothing that says that he had a traumatic brain injury. It's just what you happened to be told, why he couldn't be interviewed. Yes. And we learned. And go ahead. And we learned that it was a concussion that he was diagnosed with, and he had spent 22 days in the hospital, and then went and then was shipped directly home. And we were okay. being led that he was in intensive care in a medically induced coma, and may or may not survive. While he was, and at, they said at that point he was he was already home. And that's what the sheriff's department told you. That is what the, yes, the the sheriff's department and the district attorney's office were all in that meeting with us. I keep picking my jaw up off the floor, as I'm sure others are that are listening right now. Um, you, you, you can't make this stuff. In no, you can't. Dr. Sarah Stein's report and James Lilly's report. Those, oh, very those, those two, you know, Renee and I, were, we felt like we were looking at at something, you know, this is, we're at the epicenter of this. We were beginning to wonder if, are we seeing this different than the rest of the world? You know, what, right. what is wrong with us? Why can't we accept what is happening? And then, then we meet James Lilly and, and Dr. Sarah Stein, and they generate these with their own expertise and their and the their history of, of dealing with major crimes and, and solving major crimes. They produce these reports that we read and say, "No, this is real. This is a, they see it too." Mm-hmm. It's so validating, it's, isn't it? Yes. I mean, it doesn't cha- it doesn't change anything as far as it doesn't it will, ne- it will never bring Morgan back. and suddenly you don't feel so alone. Suddenly you know you're not going crazy. And, and we realize that we don't have to shut up. We right. We we need to actually get louder. Yeah. 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 Because that's when things start going right. Is when you don't give up. Well. That's that's, that's, what, that's our mission. That's, yep. Yep. Now, 
I also read in what you posted today or the other day, forgive me, in your blog and the update, because um, I know that you were seeking out contact with the governor to get the governor to get North yeah. Carolina Bureau of Investigation in, in investigating this, right? Yes, our goal is to have Governor Roy Cooper in North Carolina appoint the State Bureau of Investigations as the lead investigative authority on Morgan's case. I want it taken out of Onslow County. They've, we've lost all faith in their ability and their desire to get to the truth in Onslow County. So mm -hmm. we, uh, we had a number of, of people call on our behalf and write the governor's office and I, I believe it was Wednesday of this past week, I received word from, from a legislative assistant at the governor's office that the governor does not have jurisdiction to assign this case, to assign any homicide case to the State Bureau of Investigation. And I replied by saying that I, I don't believe that to be true. I don't believe that there's at this point that there's corruption at the governor's office, I just think they will say no until they can't say no anymore. You know, right. the, the governor appoints the director of the State Bureau of Investigation and the director of the State Bureau of Investigations answers to the governor. I don't believe that we're going out on a limb by saying you can, you can do this, Governor Cooper. And right. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take no for an answer. I, Dr. Sarris has wrote a incredibly poignant and touching letter to Governor Roy Cooper that he'll be receiving early this coming week, and I will also be and calling. And we're looking for more of those. Yes, phone calls, letters, and just support. Morgan deserves it. Morgan. So, Morgan. Uh, um because the um, hour has flown by and maybe we should go um, uh, longer, our, our, our next show, especially if we have a, additional guests on, um, it, the, the, the blog is Morgan's Miles to Go, Morgan's Miles to Go.com. Governor uh, North Carolina is Roy Cooper, and the telephone number, and you can always look it up if you don't have a pen next to you, 919 814 2000. 919-814-2000. And you can also email him, but I think sending a letter in a nice big envelope is really the best way to do things. But his email is governor.nc.gov, and it leads you to contact information. Let me ask you real quick, um, have you thought of contacting the Attorney General's office? I, I, I have thought about that, uh, and I believe... I believe that was suggested at one point by um, James Lilly. Yeah. And it, there's, you know, I, I'm not opposed to it. it there's, yeah. As we just you <laughs> just said about this hour, how it flew by. Our days fly by. Well, yeah. Both of us working real jobs and, and trying to run this investigation. And this is not about I, shortcomings. Yeah, I'm just asking. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. no, no, by, by any means. Uh, right. Uh, right. Okay. I, I understand what you're saying. It all takes time. Yes. It all It all takes time, emotional energy and everything like that. But um, this hour did just fly by. I can't believe it's time to, I have to close out the show right now. But uh, Steve, we're, we're getting through this even though we'll never get over it. But we're getting through telling this story, and we have more to go. So listeners, we want to thank you very much for tuning in. Steve, we'll catch you next Sunday, if that's okay with you. Steve and Renee, if Renee is there, and I'm going to see who we can have on with you, okay? Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you both. Thank you for tuning in, listeners. And, um, again, this archive is available It'll be available tomorrow for you to listen to, for you to share with somebody else. I'm Tanya Hathaway with Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard and your stories told on Marty Oakley's TS Radio Network and Stephen Burke's 89.9 KLRB Lighthouse Christian Radio.
Good night and God bless.